the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. Welcome to Panhandle Live on the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST. Panhandle Live is brought to you by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full-service auto care, with a higher level of care, with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville. Online, too, at CountryRoadsTireOnline.com. Here's your host, Marsha Kavalik. Broadcasting from the Hoppy Kerchival Studios in Martinsburg, West Virginia, it is Panhandle Live for this Friday, the 29th day of September in 2023, and Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto. I'm Luke Wiggs, but Marsha Kovalik is alongside, and we're just going to dive right into things here with Metro News is Best for the first segment. That's right. Joining us via phone uh, for the second time this week, we're really happy that he was able to do that, is uh, Metro, Ni- Metro News statewide correspondent Brad McElhaney. Welcome in. Oh, hey, guys. Uh, thank you. And, boy, when you said Metro News is best, I thought I, I thought maybe Hoppy Kerchival was coming to the <laughs> Hoppy Kerchival building. But I'm, I'm not, glad to be a stand-in. It'd be great to have Hoppy in the Hoppy Kerchival building. Uh, but, you know, we, we've got you, and we're happy about that. So uh, before before we brought you on, Fox News broke the news that uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein had died. Uh, you know, had had you heard about that? Before you, before that news broke a couple minutes ago, I, I, my Twitter feed as I glanced at it was full of Diane Feinstein news, and I, I now have some cable news on, and those are the images that are being shown. You know, so first of all, um, incredible longevity in the U.S. Senate, uh, the longest-serving U.S. Senator Diane Feinstein from california and there have been questions of course over the last few months about her health and her ability to serve Uh, she was out of commission in the u.s senate for a while because of health concerns but was not stepping down now what i wonder and i I don't see this yet being covered um but you know there's going to be obviously two tracks to the coverage Mm -hmm. one is honoring her and and her life in politics but the other is the, the Senate is just on the edge in terms of, I mean, it's, it's really still almost a 50-50 split between Republicans and Democrats. And so uh, what is what is the line to succeed her? And, and with some uh, significant legislation pending and the, the government shutdown looming, how does that work when we're talking about succession? That doesn't sound like something that happens quickly. Uh, and and uh, you know we've got the governor government shutdown looming as early as this Sunday. Yes, and so I think the numbers right have been a fifty-one and forty-nine split in terms of Democrats and Republicans in the Senate. So this would put it right now at fifty and forty-nine. Of course, Joe Manchin has often been uh, the one, or or maybe with Kirsten Cinema of Arizona, one or two swing votes. It's very narrow, but you know, on this, the the impending thing is the government shutdown and either longer term or short term funding of the federal government. And in the Senate, it's largely been bipartisan cooperation on on these 
uh, spending bills. So uh, I don't know that there's an immediate emergency on that matter. The, the, the breakdown has really been within the House of Representatives itself, within the Republican Majority Caucus, and then a different, differing views between the Senate and the House and also the White House. Uh, so I, I think that the, the shutdown issue might be a mess, but it might not be a mess that's directly involved with now the loss of, of uh, Diane Feinstein. You hate, you hate to think that, you know, you can't just automatically just honor someone's long life and their service. Um, instead, it just completely, it almost immediately turns to, well, how how's this going to affect us? Um, and 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 move on. It's not, it's a little cold, but the reality is that this does uh, affect how the 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 makeup of the Senate could uh, could shake out. And as you said, our uh, senior senator, U.S. Senator Joe Manchin, uh, playing a prominent role in some of those, uh, you know, the the strategy, et cetera, and and how we'll cover it. Now, uh, I'm looking at Metro News, and of course, one of the big items is the Secret Sandwich Society now officially reopening in Fayetteville. But beyond that, I know you've been covering a few things too. Well, you know, watching watching the shutdown news, which will affect stuff in West Virginia. I mean, there there are still allocation bills that are either short term or long term, kind of floating around in either either chamber, the Senate or the House of Representatives. But I mean, it just seems generally agreed upon that you look at the calendar and the deadline is Saturday. And there's going to be a shutdown. The question is, how long will it last? And is there any hope of resolving it pretty quickly? I mean, the politics, just from the outside looking in, looks like a mess in the House of Representatives. There will be effects in West Virginia. And Senator Capito had an availability with reporters like me yesterday. And that was my question to her was, can you help me have a better understanding of the practical effects in West Virginia. And, of course, there are national parks, among them uh, the, the one at Harper's Ferry, uh, the new one that she takes a lot of pride in at the New River Gorge. And those will not be fully closed, but uh, they will – some of the employees who work there, who, who provide the upkeep, the maintenance, uh, they would not be considered essential employees, so they'll be furloughed. And – you know, some of the trails will be closed. Um, the, the, it sounds like the trash will not necessarily be picked up. Um, it, if you had intended to go and take advantage of a full range of uh, getting a tour or going to the visitor center, those there may be limited options for you if you had wanted sometime during the government shutdown period, whatever it is, to enjoy those national parks. And then there are... There are West Virginia um, agencies that are that are in the federal government, most notably the Bureau for Fiscal Services in Parkersburg, which is part of the U.S. Treasury, and the FBI uh, crime lab in, in the Clarksburg area, uh, where I think some of that work will carry on, but um, maybe on a more limited basis. Well, I... Knowing some folks who work as contractors and and for the federal government, they they're already getting the emails that say, you know, if, if this, then uh, you're not showing up to work. 
you know, if the government is shut down, you, you're prohibited from coming in the building. Uh, you're prohibited from doing this, this work. So um, those letters are already going out. And, and from a boots-on-the-ground perspective, there are a lot of folks uh, who, who are just, you know, living their lives, and they're going to be impacted by this because they are depending on services, like they might need to go over to the Social Security building. Uh, they they uh, might have questions about their, their um, Social Security checks or other government, uh, you know, related services like passports, et cetera. And so we may not know the full scope of this until some of those signs are going up on those buildings. It's been a little confusing, and I have been trying to watch it closely, but, you know, the, the, much of the news coverage has been on trying to resolve the financial matters in the Senate and the House of Representatives. But now, as you say, people are getting letters, and it's becoming – it's a preparation for reality. I, I'm glad you brought up the issue of contractors if you are a furloughed direct employee of the government, you can expect eventually to be paid for the work that you've put in as an, as an essential but, but temporarily unpaid employee. But contractors, you know, very well could be out of luck. Uh, and there are plenty of those contractors in the Eastern Panhandle and surrounding areas. The, the Social Security checks are a major worry in West Virginia, but... Uh, Senator Capito's read and uh, my broader reading of it is that we, we do not expect a disruption in Social Security checks. But it's, you know, it's, you're, you're bound to worry if you're someone who depends on those. Uh, similarly, uh, benefits for veterans not expected to be interrupted. Uh, but the passport issue that you mentioned, you know, if you if you recently sent off for a passport or if you delayed it, you thought you were getting around to it soon, that is that is something that very well could. Well, it, it already was a long waiting period for passports, but it's, if the government is shut down, they're not going to be processed in a timely manner at this point. So if you had hoped uh, to take a Thanksgiving trip to uh, Italy or Spain or whatever, Yikes. whatever, whatever your dream may be, uh, you know, think about putting that off. Uh, well, Brad, another thing I wanted to touch on, I was directed to a really interesting editorial today from my hometown newspaper in the Dominion Post. Is There's more and more reactions coming out uh, about West Virginia University and uh, conversations about its president and uh, Gordon Gee. If you could touch on that a little bit, if you don't mind. I thought it was an interesting read, maybe a, a few too many we believes for, uh, for me as a writer, but uh, certainly more interesting conversation culminated as to what's going on at WVU. Yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting read in the Dominion Post as well. It was an editorial. I tweeted it out, uh, the whole thing. And, you know, they're, they're right there at the center of what the changes and the financial decisions that are being made at WVU. One of the things that, that I have picked up on as well but haven't really I, – I guess I haven't defined it as well as this editorial did – WVU does talk about making cuts to administration. And when the public talks about, well, you know, why aren't we cutting in administration while we're also cutting in the academic areas, in staff, what, what the public means is, you know, actual vice presidents of the university. Uh, Gordon Gee, please cut your salary. That, that, I think, is what is in the public conversation WVU officials have talked about making administrative cuts, but but what they talk about is is very different. It's administrative cuts like 
the IT department and, and lower level administrative employees. And so this editorial is just sort of exploring the differences and subtleties in the way university leaders talk about what they're doing versus what the public expectation might be. It's, it, it's, it's really thoughtful and, and well done. It, you're right. It talk, the, the phrase I believe is used quite a bit in this one, <laughs> or we believe, but I think it's just a product of trying to sort of square away, well, what are, what are we even talking about? What's our terminology even when we talk about administrative cuts? So definitely an interesting read. Many of those cuts clearly have been spelled out in terms of faculty and staff at WVU, but... Uh, reduction in force notifications continue to go out. They'll be finalized between now and mid-October. Uh, but, you know, the VVU is closing a $45 million gap, expects that gap could potentially grow to $75 million. So there's no guarantee that the cuts we've heard about will be the end. Uh, so don't expect the story to go away. Uh, just a little bit of a kind of quiet period right now, but uh, more tremors to come, I think. Of course, an interesting juxtaposition. Uh, earlier in the week, Hoppy Kirchival on Talkline had uh, Shepherd University President Dr. Mary J.C. Hendricks on, and he had a, a his uh, commentary about uh, some of the decisions that the Shepherd uh, Board of Governors is making and the cuts that they have to make. Some of the uh, the employment cuts happening through attrition and and that they're closing the. the uh, it sounds as though they're going to close the Martinsburg. Uh, uh, campus, which, uh, you know, that was in, that was a thought. It was an idea. So it sounds like that might actually be happening, but the, the juxtaposition and how they're handling it. And of course, Shepherd University's, uh, you know, budget woes don't look the same as WVU's budget woes. Uh, and, and something that you can't ignore is the fact that WVU has its, its hands in a lot of different, uh, impactful, uh, service organizations like the, the extension or, uh, service and, you know, WV Hospital. And so when it looks like they're having budget issues, that could have some really wide ranging impacts on the rest of the state. So it's very interesting to see how they're going to carry this through uh, in the coming months. Well, it is. WVU is the big fish and obviously gets the most attention as it should. And so many West Virginians, whether it's through uh, the academic programs or the or following the sports programs, just feel a real affinity for WVU, um, a, a real sort of community partnership with it. And so, you know, these, these things hurt when, when there has to be a, a contracting of WVU's identity and level of service. It, it is an interesting contrast um, and comparison to see uh, Shepard doing its own sort of definition of what its mission is and what it can uh, feasibly apply pay for and, and the process it goes through to define those things. Um, WVU is, of course, going to, the, the main attention has been to the campus in Morgantown, but WVU is sprawling, and so it's going to similarly assess uh, the extension service, uh, the, the campus at Potomac State, the campus at WVU Tech in the Beckley area, mm -hmm. so all kinds of ripple effects. And when when President Gordon Gee talks about WVU getting out ahead and anticipating the kinds of contracting and decisions that are going to have to be made across higher education. 
taking a look at what's going on at, at Shepherd is, I think, educational about that point. Our guest this morning, Brad McElhaney, he is the Metro News statewide correspondent. And I know you're probably looking a few uh, chess steps ahead on the board. You've probably got a lot of things on your reporter's notebook. But uh, one of the quick items is you're going to be on with Hoppy a little later. So I like to think we we um, warmed you up. Is there anything else you want to let us know about what you anticipate covering in the next week? Well, you know, we, we haven't heard from Governor Justice, no public appearances for about a week and a half. And I have not heard an explanation of that. No one has said he's ill or anything else. Um, he, he had a fundraiser in D.C. for his Senate campaign. Uh, you know, he was recruited by Senate leadership, uh, Mitch McConnell and others. Uh, and, and so there was a fundraiser in the D.C. area at midweek. I would I have heard that there may be an briefing today. Haven't had that confirmed. Uh, but there are lingering questions. One is, uh, can, can the governor elaborate on what effects in West Virginia there might be if there's a federal shutdown? Uh, secondly, that that report that we talked about, the financial disclosure report, came out earlier this week. There were remaining questions about Justice's finances, especially as as they as they might affect his public life. Uh, you know, the, the, the loans that stood out to everyone, a um, million to five million dollars from Bray Carey, his former senior advisor, to Governor Justice. Questions that, that linger out there that still haven't been, haven't been resolved, haven't been answered, not even addressed. So if the governor has a briefing today, I would expect questions and conversations about some of those things, the shutdown and his, his finances as they relate his political life. Well, Metro News' Brad McElhaney will be the first guest on the first segment for Metro News Talk Line coming up at 10.06, and uh, we appreciate you being the first guest in the first segment, as some may argue, the more equally impressive uh, Panhandle Live. So, Brad, thank you for giving (laughs) us the time this morning. (laughs) I certainly would, and I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Take care. All right, we'll have more Panhandle Live coming up here in just a moment. We're talking about the issues that matter most to you. Now, back to Panhandle Live. Welcome back into Panhandle Live. Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full auto care with a higher level of care with two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville, online too at countryroadstireonline.com. You can visit them today. A couple of brief notes we want to hit on because we have an abbreviated segment, but you know, for those that didn't get to listen to yesterday's show, Marsha, uh, we talked a lot about the Apple Butter Festival, mm-hmm. and uh, we're getting closer to festival season. I know we're very excited about that. So uh, you can always listen to our uh, our shows on our Panhandle News Network Spotify, but also this weekend on Panhandle Spotlight, which runs on all, all our stations on Sunday morning. Um, we have recaps, including our, our very energetic segment with uh, Jules Happy Roan <laughs> about apple butter. No one's a better ambassador. Uh, love hearing her talk about, uh, with such excitement, uh, what's going to be going on in, in Berkeley Springs. Uh, not this weekend, but the following weekend. And um, and we're going to have a recap, uh, including an excerpt from our uh, interview with Ryan Weber of the Weber Brothers uh, band. So uh, look for that. Of course, Spotlight is uh, runs on both uh, days on our station, uh, the PanhandleNewsNetwork.com and uh, WEPM WCST. So you can hear that recap, but you can always tune in 
on our Spotify. Uh, and two more things very quickly before the break that I think we should touch on as well. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the Tuscarora Sedation and Cosmetic Dentistry, uh, the Freedom Day event mm -hmm. that they have coming up. October 12th is when you can get some free dental work done if you're a current or former uh, veteran. Um, you have to sign up, though, by October 9th, so that deadline is approaching. But, right. you know, we have that interview also on the Panhandle Spotify with uh, Dr. Brandon Smith, another fantastic event. That's right. And uh, just a look ahead on, on Monday, we're going to have Pastor Tim Garino on from the Martinsburg Union Rescue Mission. I touched base with him today. He emailed me. He always emails me to, to just make sure that, we, that he's on. And they're going to have a ribbon cutting next week. So uh, that'll be kind of cool uh, because that family shelter, the 604 Project, is becoming a reality. And uh, before we hit the break as well, uh, targeted enforcement period was something that we yeah. also talked about uh, with Morgan County Sheriff Casey Bohr, but I wanted to get an opportunity to, to I don't want to say warn, that's probably the wrong word, but make everybody I mean, cognizant they, of the they, period. They put the press releases out there for a reason. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I'm not always sure I understand why they're like, why are you letting us know? But from the 6th through the 22nd, so you might as well consider it happening as soon as Monday. They're going to be, this means they're well-funded to be out there patrolling. So they'll, you know, they can catch for other things too, but they, uh, one of the primary reasons is click it or ticket. So they're going to be looking for those seatbelt infractions, but also safe driving hazards. Because as we mentioned, the uh, press release from the governor's highway safety administration said that that Columbus day weekend, uh, is a period of more fatal crashes in the District 3, which includes West Virginia, than any other time hmm. of the year. Labor Day, any of that. The Columbus Day weekend is a high time for fatalities in our district. It's really interesting. And if you missed our conversation, like we said, with uh, Morgan County Sheriff Casey Bohr, we had that yesterday. You can find it on our Panhandle Live Spotify pages. But we'll take a quick break. When we come back, uh, Stephanie Clark and the Walk to End Alzheimer's. We'll talk about that more on the other side. You're listening to Panhandle Live on WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs. Welcome back to Panhandle Live here this Friday edition, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchival Building in historic Martinsburg. I'm Luke Wiggs, Marsha Kowalik alongside. Marsha, our next guest is joining us in studio with quite possibly the most spectacular Starbucks cup I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. She came fueled. Yes, <laughs> she did. It's Stephanie Clark. She's with the Walk to End Alzheimer's, which is happening tomorrow. Mm -hmm. uh, welcome in. Thank you so much. I appreciate you all having me. So uh, let's introduce our listeners to you and, and what you do with the Alzheimer's Association. Sure. Um, again, my name is Stephanie Clark. I work for the Walk to End Alzheimer's here in the state of West Virginia. Um, I do mostly the Eastern Panhandle area. Um, also, there's a walk in Hampshire County in October. Um, well, that's going to so, be beautiful. I know. Oh, yeah. So oh, beautiful. Goodness. I know. Um, so we also are always here for resources, your ability to ask us about what we do as, as the Alzheimer's Association, how we can help you, how you can raise funds, how we can help you, that those that are caregiving for someone with Alzheimer's. And we can put you in touch with support groups. And our, we actually even have a 1-800 number that you can call 24-7 that is staffed by clinicians, um, trained people to deal with those that are suffering with Alzheimer's and dementia. Well, why get involved for you specifically? What is it about uh, the, the fight to end Alzheimer's that, that drew you to the organization? Um, well, unfortunately, I've lost two very special people. Um, I lost my grandmother first, um, who ironically loved the color purple, and she was a florist, and she taught me so many things. And then, um, unfortunately, I lost my mom to cancer, and then my grandmother the next year 
to um, Alzheimer's. And for an entire year, I would have to, every time I saw my grandmother, explain to her where my mother was. Oh, so, my and goodness. then my father-in-law had early um, was diagnosed with dementia early um, in his 50s, and he suffered for over 20 years, and I lost him this past July. Goodness. Yes, so. so there's so much that we don't know right. about Alzheimer's. Mm -hmm. And I think for folks of a certain age, you know, mm -hmm. uh, those of us in the middle age, uh, we're always we're kind of on guard, you know, oh, I, I needed to write that down. Right. I forgot this. You know, I forgot that I told someone that story. Does that mean? No. And I think that's easy to be scared, especially if you're always looking for those signs if someone in your family has been diagnosed. My most common thing I like to tell people is that if you're remembering that you forgot, then you're good to go. It's when you, not that you forget your keys, but when you pick up your keys and you have no idea what they are or what to do with them. Uh, it's things like that or walking into a room and forgetting, not a big deal. You just walked into the room and forgot. Oh, we if, all do that. Right. I do it all the time because we're, you know, we're busy, but it's when you walk into the kitchen and look at a stove and have no idea what it is. So oh. it's different. It's when your brain no longer can tell you what items are. So, you know, the walk to end Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. uh, the proceeds go toward research yes. to end eventually right. end Alzheimer's with the hope that, that um, this disease is eradicated. Mm -hmm. um, what have we learned about Alzheimer's from the, the, you know, from the point where people understood that this was a thing uh, to now? Um, we have learned a lot. Um, luckily, in the past three years, we've learned the most so um, for the first time, when I started with the Alzheimer's Association uh, about five or six years ago, we had no new drugs that had been approved or passed in over two decades. Wow. So nothing really had been done, but they had been working on. It's dealing with the brain and to repeal or take away the plaques and tangles that form on the brain. That is what is Alzheimer's or those plaque and tangles that take up the area in your brain and strip it of its knowledge. To take those away, you have to be very careful because then you can't also take that away and the knowledge that goes with it or the, the function of the brain. Um, however, in the last three years, we have introduced four new drugs, um, and they specifically target those plaques and tangles and repealing them. And although they are not at this point a true cure, they are definitely impeding the process and giving people more time. However, it does need to be caught early. So those early diagnoses, it's, that's why it's so important if you have a family member experiencing this to get MRIs. It's the only way to diagnose truly Alzheimer's. Is Alzheimer's inevitable? Is everyone going to get some sort of... It is not inevitable. Um, as we go you know, longer into research, we are finding that there are some genetic markers, just like many other things. Um, however, inflammation and stress in your body will activate those um plaques and tangles wow so, but it doesn't mean it's inevitable right. it just means sleep well eat well take care of yourself just like anything else but if you have those genetic markers it's about staying on top of it and getting those mris well alzheimer's is a diagnosis correct me if i'm wrong is something that we've seen a little bit more prevalent over the last 10 years or so is that because of a, a more of an awareness of what it yes. is or is it becoming more prevalent? Um, it's No, it is not becoming more prevalent. It's more of an awareness. It used to be, um, unfortunately, at the, it used to be terminal. At this point, it's not terminal anymore. Um, we don't have our first survivor of Alzheimer's yet, mm -hmm. but we are getting there. Um, in the walk, you'll see we have a child usually raise the white flower. A white flower stands for who will be our first survivor. Um, it is just, it is not more prevalent. It's just more discussed. It's more open because you don't feel that sense of 
there's nothing we can do anymore because there's there is support now so you know we're picking your brain about so much because we you know this is a resource that we don't get that often Mm -hmm. so it's one thing to you know we have we have access to a lot of medical advancements that mean that we can uh, extend life. Right. Longevity is, is mm-hmm. possible. Um, but is quality of life possible with an Alzheimer's diagnosis when you have drugs that can yes, prolong that life? is definitely what's happening with the new drugs. Um, they're a little bit hard to say. They're aducanumab, levanumab. They have really long names. Yes. But what they are doing is because as those plaques, Plaques and tangles grow. They take away your motor functions and some of your cognitive ability, usually first in the memory. Um, these are helping to maintain those longer so you can function longer. Yes. Our well, guest this morning is Stephanie Clark with The Walk to End Alzheimer's. Well, for people that are listening, I guess between my age and Marsha's age as well, uh, is there research to be done as to what you could be doing in your 20s and 30s? You know, I've heard people say that uh, high intakes of sugar is something that could affect you long term with the diagnosis of uh, of Alzheimer's. Are, are there things that people in their 20s yes. and 30s can do to, to prevent or try Absolutely. to stop that I from mean, being diagnosed? You can, again, it's the inflammation in the body that can activate those plaques and tingles. So definitely eating well, staying active, and really good sleep. Sleep mm. is such an important thing for your brain because it literally cleanses itself at night and keeps itself healthy. What a wake so up call. sleep, yeah, sleep is very important. And the more you can work with your truly natural circadian rhythm, waking up with the sun, going to bed with the moon, it's it's definitely a real thing. So it definitely it improves the brain quality. Stephanie Clark is with us with the Walk to End Alzheimer's. We have a local event happening yes. tomorrow in Martinsburg. And uh, the, the venue has changed a few times. It so did. we want to make sure that we let yes. folks know exactly what's happening, when, and and why this is beneficial. So tomorrow morning, um, Saturday, is the Walk to End Alzheimer's at the General Adam Stephen House at 309 East John Street. Registration begins at 8.30 a.m. Um, we'll have lots of activities. We have music. We have children's activities. Then the opening ceremony where we discuss all the things that we do and we kind of thank all of those that fundraise starts at 9.30 and the walk at 9.45. It is less than 1.2 miles that you walk. Um, and then we come back and just do a nice celebration. But it's important because we contribute right here locally so much. The state of West Virginia um, has contributed over a million dollars in the past two years to research. And that research is coming back here. We have people in clinical trials here in West Virginia and even here in Martinsburg, where our youngest diagnosed patients with early onset lives here in Martinsburg. And how old is that? 43 years old. That's striking because I think, you know, there are so many yes. misconceptions mm-hmm. about Alzheimer's, obviously. I think people sometimes pronounce it old timers. Right. And and that is, you know, it's oh, it's an old person's disease. Right. But that's not that's it's not, not true. It's anybody with a brain, and uh, that is not being antagonistic at all. But truly, anybody with a brain could experience this, whether it be a form of dementia or a form of Alzheimer's. And it's important to do this research because we need to protect our memories. I mean, this is what we're here for. So how does the WALK uh, fund Alzheimer's research? Is it through registrations or folks walk? Donations. Um, So when you register, if you could donate just any dollar, even a dollar goes, you know, and we can... We, it all goes to research. We Less than 1% is administrative, so um, it all goes to research, it, and it also goes to our programs to help those that are you know, being caregivers at this time 
or um, anything we can do to help those that are suffering as well. So if people that may not be available for the walk tomorrow, a, a website or anywhere else that they can give to yes. make sure that they're not only funding this, but like you mentioned, funding it in a local perspective. Yeah, just alls.org, alz.org, and you can find your local walk. Um, you can search by state. We are the Martinsburg Walk and you know, however, just however you feel it in your heart to give, but just um, realize that it is always working for those to save your memories. Again, let us know uh, when that walk is tomorrow in Martinsburg. Tomorrow morning at 830 starts registration. The walk will not begin until 945. So there's activities in between, but you can come at any time. We have snacks and all kinds of things and you can register on site. You don't have to register before. Stephanie, don't be a stranger. We want to hear more about this and, sure. and how, uh, you know, the progress goes All right. as, thank as you the all. year continues. I appreciate right. it. And thank you. Keep up the great work. I hope you have a fantastic event tomorrow. 65 degrees, by the way. So well, that's be a beautiful time weather. to walk. And dry. But uh, once again, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you all. And we'll have more Panhandle Live coming up in just a moment. Local news now at panhandlenewsnetwork.com. Now back to Panhandle Live. Welcome back. Final segment of Panhandle Live, broadcasting from the Hoppy Kircherville Building. And Panhandle Live is driven by Country Roads Tire and Auto, taking you home with full auto service care with a higher level of care. With two locations to proudly serve you in Martinsburg and Hedgesville, online too at countryroadstireonline.com. Really important guest. I think a fantastic segment there we just had with Stephanie Clark and the walk to end Alzheimer's, which is happening tomorrow. And I don't know about you, but I, I certainly learned a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It's it definitely, and I didn't mean this as a pun. It's a wake up call to think about um, how your sugar intake, when you're our age, and um, your sleep rhythm can affect your ability to stave off Alzheimer's. Um, yeah, that 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 was a huge takeaway. Plus the fact that um, they're doing so much locally. It's not just your money's going to a statewide and, and or national. It's important to do the research, obviously, on a national um, scale, but the fact that they, they're also providing services to folks locally uh, and respite care, and that is incredibly important. And uh, you can do something local and have that local impact. Uh, and to know that the youngest Alzheimer's you know, diagnosis is of someone who's in her 43. early early 40s yeah. is just chilling. Yeah. So uh, important work that they're doing there. And uh, an important first guest that we had and statewide uh, correspondent for Metro News, Brad McElhaney, he'll be on with Hoppy uh, top of the show this morning and Friday, of course, means it's also steam release. Always a, always a great way to, to launch your way into the weekend, getting a... <laughs> Some Get of West Virginia's it. finest calling in Getting for Steam Release. Do you, do you listen just for the train wreck? I do. In fact, I produced Steam Release for years. And it's, uh, I, I, here's what I'll say a little bit in, inside baseball here. The callers that don't make it on Steam Release are the, exactly what you would expect. Wow. You know, I'm glad that we have the, 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 the ability to, to screen some of those calls uh -huh. because you pick up that handset and you don't know who you're talking to. And, you hear some pretty outrageous things. Well, part of me almost doesn't mind. You know, free speech. Part That's of true. me almost doesn't mind their take That's as true. long now, as they're prepared and they're not stumbling and they've written it out. And I want to be know, clear, we're not censoring me. people yeah. unless I no. hear a four-letter word. And then, okay, uh, good My point. point was if I heard a uh -huh. spicy word, that person gotcha. was not able to. Or my all-time favorite, and I know we need to get to the news recap, uh, people <laughs> don't quite understand. Here's a little bit of advice for people that are calling into Hoppy Show. Mm -hmm. There's a call screener. 
Right. Quite often what would happen is I would answer the phone to put somebody on hold for Hoppy and they would immediately go into their steam release. And here I am saying, well, they, yeah, think they think I'm hopping. They think you're on And I would say, sir, well, hold on. Do you want to say this on the air? Do you, Ma'am, do you want to say this on the air? Hold on. I'll put you on with Hoppy. They finish their diatribe and hang up the phone. So I'm the only one that got to hear their steam wow. release that day. So for those of you that aren't aware, somebody is screening your call to put you on with Hoppy. You will get on with Hoppy. All they need is your name and where you're from. Wow. So make sure that you know that you're talking to Hoppy if you think you're talking to Hoppy. Wow, go. <laughs> that's good to know, actually. But uh, yeah, I think it's very interesting, the different takes. And it's oh, yeah. stuff that you might not have thought of otherwise. But just, you know, to me, the most annoying thing is when they're not ready. I agree. And and I have a, a lot of pride in the work that I do. I, it, it's it's interesting to to watch Hoppy just kind of take some some beatings from people mm-hmm. that call in and say some oh, stuff. Oh, I couldn't but do that. I could not. I know. That's, he's, he's one of the few people that certainly could. I'm like, oh, the, the connection. We've lost the connection. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Just call back. Get back in the line well, to, to answer to, to for your take. <laughs> well, Marcia, in the final minutes that we have here on Friday's show, I uh, wanted to listen back to some of the, uh, the sound that we were able to get uh, from Thursday's Berkeley County County Commission. And uh, one thing that really, a uh, county commission meeting, excuse mm-hmm. me, that uh, jumped out to you and jumped out to me as well is it's not often that they're citizen speakers, uh, but we got to hear from uh, last night's county commission meeting uh, from Ken Matson, who who raised an issue as a citizen speaker in the meeting. When running for election, did any of the commissioners run for please vote for me as I will hire a lobbyist at 20000 plus to represent Berkeley County at our state capitol? There were obligations for those positions, and you represent the county that you've been voted into. So again, the commission doesn't normally interact with citizen speakers, but the commissioners did ask for Mr. Madsen's contact information to discuss the issue with him at a later time. So interesting. Yeah. And we appreciate uh, our Clint Gage, who listens to the, he audits those meetings and uh, brings us stories each week from the uh, Berkeley County Commission meeting and uh, Martinsburg uh, City Council. He'll go out there and cover those, uh, which is a huge help because not every citizen can get off. I know the yeah. get off to, to attend the meetings. Uh, and sometimes those commission meetings happen in the morning and it's not easy for folks to just uh, sit in. Yeah. And, and there's a lot that goes through, you know, a, a lot that your eyes can glaze over as the mm-hmm. meetings kind of roll on, including grants. And Elizabeth Lovechak was uh, the county grants administrator and she was there last night uh, also explaining a recent grant. Board acceptance for the West Virginia Port Security Fund fiscal year 2024 funding source West Virginia Port Security for the Judicial Center. It's 12 months from 7123 to 6.30.4. Total state award is $43,000. Total match zero. It's going to pay for nine Motorola APX 4000 radios and microphones with AES encryption, $40,485. Two desktop charging stations for $1,030. And nine Bolo stick for barricades for $1,485. Well, it sounded like somebody took that opportunity to shred some documents in the background <laughs> or something. Uh, but the commission. The ambient sound. <laughs> The commission approved a grant for court security, and the commission also approved buying a pursuit vehicle for the sheriff's department for the amount of $41,096. See, these are the things you need to know. Absolutely. Right there. If you know that the county is getting a souped-up vehicle, pursuit vehicle, they're calling it a It's not just a cruiser. Pursuit vehicle. Mm, watch that, out, people. That's information to, to know. <laughs> that's what you need to know. And they've got the um, those signs up on 81, the electronic signs that are gauging your, your, um, your speed. And I always try to make sure that I'm under the speed limit when I get up there and it says thank you for your safe driving. 
Now, one more thing. I feel like this is a, a subtle hint at me because I'm just like John Fetterman right now uh, that we want to hit before the show is over. But uh, the U.S. Senate uh, passed by some legislation uh, authored by uh, West Virginia's Joe Manchin and Mitt Romney, uh, a bipartisan resolution that would reinstate the business attire dress code in the Senate floor. So uh, some senators are a little bit lax in their attire, dressing like some certain sports radio hosts here at WEPM. Uh, they passed that resolution by unanimous consent. Uh, and all gentlemen in the Senate were in suits yesterday, and uh, including dressed, John Fetterman, including John Fetterman of Pennsylvania, and uh, 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 dressy attire for for the ladies as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, congratulations, I guess for for Joe Manchin had set out to um, uh, make sure that the Senate was a distinguished body, and I believe that he achieved that. And the acronym called shorts. Is it? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So something about restoring. <laughs> anyway, you you can probably read that at metronews.com. And, and get the whole, you know, what the, the acronym stood for. But uh, before we have to get off the air, uh, lots happening this weekend sports-wise. Yeah, absolutely. And if you missed our conversation on Panhandle Sports Live, the Orioles uh, clinching first place in the American League East. Yes! The final three outs, Tyler Wells pitched as a freshman at University High School in Morgantown before he moved away to California. Uh, but we've got high school football tonight uh, on WEPM and WCST. It's Jefferson against Hedgesville. We've got Berkeley Springs taking on Phillip Barber at 7 o'clock tonight night on 92.9 WXDC. Uh, and then we've got Shepherd football tomorrow uh, as they kick off at noon against Shippensburg. You can hear that uh, on 95.9 The Big Dog. But Marsha, I hope you enjoy your weekend. You do the same. And Talkline is up next with Hoppy Kerchival Steam Release as per usual on a Friday. And if uh, you missed any of today's show, you can find it later on our Panhandle Live Spotify. But that's going to do it for us. We'll talk to you on Monday. With every single guy in town. WEPM Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.